Relay FM. This is Connected, episode 152. Today's show is brought to you by Eero, Mac Weldon, and FreshBooks. My name is Mike Hurley. I am joined by Stephen Hackett. Ciao, Stephen Hackett. Um, that's very confusing. Hello. Hi. And howdy, Federico Vatici. How are y'all today? Uh, I am well, and I kind of hate you both because mm-hmm. the past week has been basically characterized by people on Twitter sending me tweets with uh emoji of turtles well in yeah. groups of many turtles in the same message at least you're still alive federico you know? i'm still alive and i missed you both but uh, i'm still opening twitter and you know there's folks who are listening now to the old episode so i'm still getting the turtles on twitter i hope that there is a possibility that you will get them forever like my hope is that mm-hmm. like people will listen to the show in like a year time and they will send you 140 turtles and you have no idea why and and, and you know the beautiful, beautiful the beautiful part is that the you know the turtles will still be alive a year from now because they live forever. So it's a beautiful message. It's a beautiful message. It's a beautiful message. It's it's inspirational, really. It is. They, the people just want you to live forever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like a turtle. So thank you, I appreciate it. Yeah. Can we do follow up now? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yes, we can. Let's do follow up. Christian, yes, Christian wrote in about this whole face ID camera thing. We spoke last week about, you know, are there issues around head-worn clothing? And Christian wrote in this really interesting story I, I didn't know about. Um, but in 1993, Sony had to recall a camera that had a night vision mode. So it used infrared technology basically to take pictures in the dark. Uh but when used in daylight, infrared could be used to see through like dark colored clothing. Uh, and if it were thin and wet, say like a swimsuit, it really worked pretty well. And so all of a sudden, people were taking pictures of other people in swimsuits and it was as if they were wearing nothing. Obviously, that's not, not good. Uh, people were being uh, photographed in ways they did not approve of. And Sony had to recall a bunch of these cameras because – this infrared had the ability to see through fabric and under certain circumstances. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting in the conversation we've been having about this has got to be more than just a selfie camera. It has to have, you know, some other type of sensing along with it. And there could be a real downsides to that, which I hadn't really uh, considered. I hadn't come across anything like this before. So super interesting email. So thank you for sending it in Christian. I'm going to provide some, this? some real time follow up on the follow up because I remember this and I can't work out why I would have remembered it if it was in 1993 it's because it wasn't in 1993. It was in 1998. And Sony did this because I remember this happening. And in 1993, I was five years old, so I wouldn't remember it. But yeah, this uh, was something that they called the night shot camera. And I have an so article from Wired. Follow-up. And I've got to say to Wired, Federico, you'll like this. They have an article which is dated 14th of August, 1998, available on their website. Like, that is impressive. That is very impressive that that they're keeping this running. So there you go. It's an article called CUC Me, which is hilarious. Um, And it's about the Sony night shot camera, um, which allowed people to see through, like, like, almost like x-ray vision. (laughs) I think that's... Wild, and this is why it's like the TSA camera. Yeah, basically. I mean, look, bec- this is I assume something that just like will happen with this type of technology. So I assume if Apple add an infrared camera, like we won't be able to use it on our iPhone to take inf- like dark 
in the night photos if it can do this like this that wouldn't that would be less than ideal i think yeah yeah it's not great so but thanks for correcting the follow-up so we didn't have to have double follow-up inception we may not have done it in time though it's true someone's already uh, someone has already emailed me Mm -hmm. lots of people have written in complaining about the blue location bar on ios 11 so federico you spoke about this a couple weeks ago where if an app is using your location in the background, that bar is consistently there, and it's a lot more forceful than in iOS 10. Uh, so we got an email from Andrew that really jumped out at me. He said he works on the road, so he's doing like mobile tech repair and tech service, so he's, he's mm-hmm. just driving all the time between clients. And he uses an app to track his location and mileage. We can turn it in for tax reasons, right? Yeah, turn in your mileage. And this bar is like driving him nuts because it's it's always there if you tap the bar accidentally which is easy to do because at the top of the screen it takes you into the app and andrew suggested that maybe apple should offer users a way to disable this so the default Mm -hmm. is on so to leave the shame bar there but hey if you're a user and you know you're doing this and it's something that you want there's an option to disable it i think that's totally fair what do you think yeah. yeah, I agree, uh, especially because Apple is doing this for their own system features. So if you go into location services and you tap into the system services, which is kind of buried into the settings, there's a toggle to disable uh, showing the location icon for the Apple system location stuff. Hmm. And the reasoning is it's our stuff. We know what we're doing. There's no need to show the icon. So if you want, you can disable that. And uh, I think Andrew is right, and we mentioned this uh few weeks ago if you know what you're doing uh there should be an option in the location setting for an individual app to say um disable the location bar uh basically i know what i'm doing uh i you don't need to uh, you know occupy the top section of my user interface every single time the app uh, is fired up in the background because i know uh so just show me the location icon in the status bar and that's okay um, the default should be, uh, you know, this should be opt-out. So the location bar should be shown by default. Uh, I think that's the right thing to do, especially for users upgrading from iOS 10 to 11. But I agree, there should be a toggle to disable that. I've got to say, that logic of, you know, app, you can have a switch to turn it off for Apple services because Apple knows what they're doing. That is so horrifically flawed on so many levels for me because I don't know what they're doing. Right, like realistically, Apple have as much potential to track me as any other company and use that data for whatever they want to use it for. Like I know that we believe and we feel that Apple is a is a company that doesn't do this stuff, but priorities change, right? And I really mm-hmm. don't like the idea that like, oh, we can be given that toggle because our oh, Apple look after us. But not for others because all those companies they're just they're just evil companies, right? Like I really don't like that. Like we should I think it should be possible that there should be a part of the settings and location settings for you to be able to disable anything, including Apple's system location services or for whatever apps no, Apple wants to track you, it with. You can disable them individually, but it's just you can also disable, no, I mean, disable the bar. Uh-huh. Okay. Right? Yeah. Like the, to to disable that to having the bar there. Yeah, right, like you yeah. know, I, it's funny. I've, I've been seeing people like sharing screenshots of stuff, and I see like the blue bar, and it says like Tile is tracking your location, 
right? Mm-hmm. This yeah. is going to really affect companies like that, right? Tile and Tracker and stuff like that. And I wonder if something like if I'm going to get frustrated with my Canary. Like I don't, I haven't put iOS 11 on my iPhone. I don't know if it's going to start popping up with the blue bar saying that Canary's tracking my location because I've told it it can, so it can set and unset. Like if this is going to be a thing that's popping up all the time, it's, I think it's going to make a lot of changes to the way that people use their phones. Honestly, I think for the worse in a lot of cases. Like I know that there's going to be stuff that's popping up and I'm going to be like oh man I'm pleased to know about this because I don't want this here but there's going to be stuff that I'm going to see every single day and I'm going to be like I get it like I've asked this to happen I I would really hope that that Mm. that they add the ability for me to just be like okay I'm going to accept like all of the warnings you're going to throw at me but like please stop telling me that this app is Mm -hmm. tracking me with this horrific blue bar I wonder what it was that you know, pushed Apple Apple over the edge, and the moment that they went like this is too much. Like there must have been one occasion in the past, one case that convinced them we should show a location bar because we cannot deal with this anymore. It feels like a very personal, not in terms of like a single individual, but like a very personal motivation to go against some types of apps that are you know running in the background all the time. And I have some ideas, but, uh, you know, we can know for sure. We'll never know for sure. But it feels to me like one of those decisions where a bunch of people got together and they saw a problem and they went like, we should go completely, basically nuclear on this and show a location bar for everyone because, you know, I don't, we don't want to deal with this anymore. Um, which I sort of understand, but as a user, like the first couple of times, it's all right. It's like, okay, yeah, I remember there's the app going in the background. Maybe let me check if it's doing what I'm, what I think it is doing. And then it sort of, it becomes like a very annoying reminder. Yes, I know Google Maps is in the background. Yes, I know because I put it there because I want it to run in the background. And uh, I, I, like, I want to know, I'm curious to know the split of users that, you know, maybe months from now will disable background apps because of the location bar and also the amount of people that will be annoyed by the location bar displayed all the time for apps that they win- willingly and consciously granted permission to run in the background. So, we'll see, I guess. I'll tell you one way that it might not be so much of a problem if the double status double height status bar becomes a single height status bar because our phones <laughs> oh, are bigger. Yeah. So be. there is a Forbes render of the iPhone 8, which we're picking up from 9 to 5 Mac. Just based on, you know, stuff that the this contributor who goes by the name goes by the name of whose name is Gordon Kelly. It's like I don't believe this person exists. Goes uh, by the name. <laughs> they've <laughs> put together these renders apparently based on some stuff that they know. And just one of the things it's just interesting to note that this device looks how we have seen it looking with like the screen reaching up like to to the very top but it having that kind of eyebrow in the middle which has the cameras and the speaker grill and stuff but it's all blended together so it looks like it's all black and then you have the battery status and your kind of connection status on the left and right but it all looks like it's kind of just built into the top of the phone mm-hmm. so if this is the case what would probably happen is the the top status bar that we get right now doesn't exist anymore, and then there's just this single line status bar, which mm-hmm. would have stuff mm-hmm. like you're on a call, right? Your your location's being tracked, and then with the bigger screen, potentially, uh, it might not be so much of a problem. 
That makes sense because of OLED, right? Because the blacks are yeah. really black, and so they kind of they can blend in with the top notch. That's gonna but look the pro- so good, though, right? It's gonna look so this good. render looks great on the lock screen because the clock is displayed in the middle of the screen. I really cannot buy into the idea that Apple is going to remove the clock from apps. Like when you're using the iPhone, you cannot look up the time. Yeah, that is the thing we haven't mentioned is there's no clock anymore, right? And uh, like, uh, I don't know. Uh, Like it looks fantastic on the lock screen. Again, it makes total sense. But what if you unlock the phone? Like, you know, as most people do, they use the phone unlocked. Not as a <laughs> digital portable frame. Yeah. Um, so what happens to the, like, you cannot look at your time anymore? So uh, I've been thinking about this, and I don't know if this is elegant or not, but, like, it makes sense to me that, you know, you have, like, the battery percentage and the connection state or something. You might not need all of those all the time. So I could imagine you just tap on one and it would show you the clock. And then when you tap it again, it would rotate to the other. And you could hmm. have a few little yeah. things up there. I don't know. But, like, that, that mm. would make sense to me. Like... Honestly, I don't need to always see whether I'm connected to Wi-Fi or cell signal, right? Like, I only need to see that when I know there's when I can already notice there's a problem. So, like, I could have right. that not there, and then could just tap it when I need to see it. Mm, yeah, maybe you know, we can already see how well this works on the Apple Watch. Like, if your watch is on, it's very difficult to see like where the screen stops and the border begins. Yeah, I was just doing that. <laughs> I was just looking and like, where is that screen? But no, it blends in so beautifully. Yeah. I mean, that. you can see it in like direct sunlight, mm-hmm. but other than that, it looks really good. And and this is something, again, OLED can offer that they cannot do with the current screen technology. So I think that, yeah, like there's these weird trade-offs, um, but I think it could be really nice. Oh, you know, there was also a way to, I mean, they could put, I think this this article alludes to like putting the clock somewhere on the home screen, but that doesn't help you when you're in an app. Like, and and it would be a shame not to have the clock just persistent. Like it is a useful feature. Like, and I feel like it's one of those things that if it was to go away, I would be like, oh man, I look at that clock so much, right? Like, and I have Mm -hmm. no idea, right? So, um, you know, I trust trust to find a way to make that work because it'd be super weird. Uh, I trust Apple to find a solution, but I don't think the solution is to get rid of the clock entirely, no. as in this concept. Uh, Honestly, I feel like if there was some kind of way that they were changing the clock, it wouldn't look the way it currently does on iOS 11. Like, I feel like there would be something different there, you know? Like, I feel like we would already see a hint of it. Your idea of showing the Wi-Fi and cellular when you need them, that, that makes sense to me. Uh, because between the two, if I had to choose, you know, clock all the time, uh, and Battery Wi-Fi... Time, right? Wi-Fi and cellular, like, I could live without. They could be behind the tap on the status bar. So that could work, I think. But by default, I should be able to see the time whenever, you know, whatever I am on the iPhone. I should always be able to see the time. I'm getting real excited about this iPhone. Like, just just an OLED screen. Like, how much of a difference Mm -hmm. it's going to make? I love OLED screens. You know, every phone I've ever seen with an OLED screen, I really like the way that that looks. Um, and you know the the dark blacks and stuff, especially somebody who uses dark mode so much in applications, uh, that's going to be exciting to me. Um, I want to uh, just very quickly touch on something that came from Twitter user L three three th four x zero r. I know what that says, but I'm I'm will not permit myself to say it. Uh, who wrote in to say that you can add masks in the Canary app? Remember we were talking about how I thought it would be 
real great like a nest where you can say, oh, don't track movement in this area. Turns out you can do that in the Canary app. Um, there is a part in the settings. I did not know it was there, so that's good news. So you can put a mask in the Canary app to say, hey, Canary camera, don't pay any attention to movement that occurs in this part of the room. So I could have it you know, stop if there is movement from the window or whatever. So that is there. So that's a good piece of follow-up from that Twitter user. Do you think that, I mean, we talked about the the location bar with Canary. We have this, and we keep talking about um, the camera thing, and it sort of came to mind for me uh, after our last conversation that, you know, with the HomePod, Apple's kind of moving into a space that already exists. Do you guys see a world in which Apple makes like a home kit camera? Hmm. Uh, I mean, why not? <laughs> uh, like it would, it would. I would trust Apple more than I would trust others. Uh, yeah. But when it, like the only, the only argument against that, I guess, is that right now the HomeKit framework for cameras is kind of terrible. So th- before Apple gets into the game, they would have to seriously reconsider the software and how it works. But the other problem maybe would be if Apple gets into one specific HomeKit category, why doesn't Apple make the weather sensor or like the temperature yep. or like the thermostat? Like once you make one accessory, then why not more? And if Apple is making accessories themselves, what's the advantage for a platform, you know, for others to come in and make other accessories? And so... I don't know. I would buy one because I know it would be better than the D-Link camera that I have, which it gets super hot for some reason. I mean, oh. it's a camera, so I don't know why. It's not, there's <laughs> not some, a fan. long-term me. follow-up there, there <laughs> on uh, the D-Link camera. I'd say, like, of yeah. all of the things that Apple could make in the HomeKit space, the, a, a security camera is the one that makes the most sense, right? Like, you could have the footage go to the Photos app if you really wanted it to, right? Like, they already know how to make good cameras, the there are you know they have a bunch of other sensor technology a, a camera is the one that i think makes the most sense like light bulbs i don't see them making light bulbs right like maybe they could make other types of movement sensors but i don't see them making a weather sensor just because none of that stuff is like anything like what they currently do like it's, it's different types of technologies so i would like them to do it i think it would be interesting if they did it and if they're going to i think that that's the one that they'll maybe start with I, th- I think that's where I come down to that. Yeah, if they do it, it's like a slippery slope, and does it does it discourage other people from entering the market? And you know, Apple does make other products, like they make, or at least they made, they still sell. It's really kind of confusing. They still make wireless products, right? Base stations and stuff. But Apple was really first to that in the consumer market, and that hasn't stopped other people from doing it. Mm-hmm. But I think it's a little bit different when Apple owns the platform, like they they own HomeKit, and they want all these things to work with it agree with you that it could maybe stifle innovation so I, I don't see them doing it for that big reason but i think if they did a camera seems like a pretty good place to start i know just came to mind yeah uh lastly and this is reaching way back but we've, we've spoken over the years of this show about software preservation uh, in particular in ios and how that's way more difficult than it is on the mac side and this this article on Slate uh, jumped out at me, uh, talking about the 32-bit, 64-bit transition that's coming with 
iOS 11 that 32-bit apps will uh, be uh, shown the door. Mm -hmm. Something like uh, 200,000 apps, uh, it's estimated, could be affected by this, and that would basically go away. And this article is really about games, so Flight Control, Cannibal, which I think is like the first game I played on iOS, uh, Flappy Bird, a bunch of these apps that are 32-bit are going to be going away. And when they do, they won't be in the App Store There'll be no way to see them or see the reviews or see screenshots. It's all just going to disappear. And Internet Archive doesn't capture the App Store for a bunch of reasons, I don't think. So it's kind of concerning that a bunch of stuff's going to disappear from the Internet forever. And that makes me sad. Yeah, it is sad. And I've sort of come to terms with the fact that Apple doesn't care about this. Like in their, from their point of view... Uh, it's now like there's there's almost no feelings attached to this problem. It's just the developer's fault that they did not update their apps for the new versions of iOS. And um, there's uh, 10% of me that still hopes that maybe Apple will come in with an emulator of some kind a couple of years from now to be able and maybe give it to the Internet Archive and be like, now you can play, you know, these games that came out in 2008 and they've been pulled from the App Store. But the other 90% simply thinks that Apple sees this as a problem, not as a sort of a nostalgic, uh, you know, complex situation that they're now facing. It's a technical problem. Like there are some apps that do not support 64-bit and the developers are, you know, uh, they cannot be convinced to update those apps on the App Store. So we'll just progressively discourage them from submitting binaries with 32-bit only to the App Store, then we'll just force them to submit with 64-bit binaries, and then we'll start showing an alert to users, then we'll maybe, you know, pull the apps from the App Store, and eventually with iOS 11, those apps will just stop working. Uh, this has been in the works for a long time. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't see Apple caring about this problem in the same nostalgic, sort of romantic way that, that I do, at least. And... Um, it's just something that I have accepted and that the only solution is the technical one that Apple has, which is either you update your app or it's gone. So just two ways to see the problem, I guess. I think this is going to be the thing that captures the headlines when iOS 11 drops. You know, like I, I see if you, know, if you can forecast what the, what the problem will be, I think it will be this one. Uh, Apple yeah. kills my favorite apps, right? Like, I mm -hmm. think that's going to be the problem. That's going to be the thing. I don't know enough um, about the technical reasons for why you would want to do this, right? But from the basics that I do understand, I can see why they are doing it because it's the case of wanting to move forward. Um, yeah. But I don't, what I don't understand is like, can, can they not emulate this stuff? I guess well, you can't emulate it fast enough, right? Well, there's they have the perfect comeback to the critics of saying oh, Apple is killing all apps and games, which is, do you want your phone to be to run faster and to consume less battery? If so, there's no way we could, you know, yeah. uh, keep 32-bit support forever. The thing is, though, for people, I think people just have really good, well, in their mind, really good arguments to that, which is just like, this is for you to fix, not me, right? Like, I think that's uh, no. the way a lot of people uh, feel about these about technology. People and I feel get that it. way. 
but it doesn't work that way I because it it's doesn't. not yeah. Apple that makes the apps. Uh-huh. You know, and, and Apple can say, well, we told developers we're like two years. Like, I understand their position. Like, they've been telling developers we, like two to three years in advance, like, we are going to phase out the 32-bit eventually. Mm-hmm. So we, you have like three years to get ready. Yeah. And again, it it's more of a, of a of a nostalgic problem, really, of like, that's the game that I love. It's not been updated in th- three years, four years, five years, and now it's going to stop working. And I guess it's different because we're not used to this problem, which is what we discussed in that old episode when we talked about, you know, old Nintendo games. If you have an NES and an old cartridge, you can still play the game today. But these games are not physical. They are software. And when the software, you know, breaks for an app with an update or bug or whatever, the, the game is no more. And that's the problem we're facing now. So that episode was super, super... Uh, you know, foreshadowing of what is going to happen in iOS 11. Um, I guess it's a tricky situation to explain because uh, from the developer point of view, really developers have it worst uh, because for for a bunch of reasons, there can be, you know, studios that are no longer around and cannot update the games anymore because maybe they don't have the rights anymore between the publisher and the game developer. Some developers maybe, you know, some folks maybe are not around anymore. Uh there could be a whole bunch of reasons, financial reasons. Uh, from Apple, Apple's per- perspective, like this is a technical problem and it's not up to them to fix. They've been giving developers warnings and all that. And from the user perspective, it kind of sucks because, well, I did nothing wrong here. I've been keeping this game on my iPhone for ages and now it doesn't work anymore. I did nothing wrong. It's not my fault, Apple, you're evil. So I understand all the three different positions and there's probably no easy solution. Which is why this is kind of fascinating to discuss because there's no, like the single fix would be an emulation mode, but I don't know if it would if it work well on on you know on modern hardware to emulate 32-bit stuff. And if Apple wants to invest resources and time, uh, because you're basically pulling engineers from the core teams, you know, to kind of emulate emulate everything from mm-hmm. 32-bit on 64-bit. So those are actual people. It's not like when we make fun of the people who say, you know, the the Mac Pro team is now doing commercials with, uh, you know, with The Rock. It's not like that. These are actual people, like the actual engineers that work on the main frameworks. You would ask them to create an emulator for 32-bit. So I don't know if you want Apple to invest that time. I think people will want it if they're... Flappy Bird stops working, right? I agree. Look, I agree with you, right? Like, and I, and this is not something that I'm down on. Like, I get why they got to do it. I'm just saying, I think it's gonna be, uh, it's gonna be tricky for them, well, you know, especially to explain to people that that that's the tricky part. Like, developers understand what is going on. The tricky part is explaining this to people. Like, how can I explain to my friends that I've been keeping old games? You know, they have the black bars on top and the bottom because mm-hmm. they're really old games. How do I explain to them the difference between 32-bit and 64-bit and the policy that Apple has put in place? Like, this is the tricky part. Like, sit down and I'm going to teach you a lesson about 64-bit and App Store (laughs) guidelines. Like, that doesn't work. So, I don't know. All right. Mm. Today's show is brought to you in part by our friends at Eero. Never think about Wi-Fi again. Eero have created the perfect Wi-Fi setup. It is a fast, reliable connection for every room in your house even all the way to the backyard. If you haven't yet got on board with the Eero's super slick Wi-Fi, now is the best time to join as they have just released their new second-generation devices. 
as well as their new tri-band second-generation model. They're also introducing Eero Beacon, allowing you to build a Wi-Fi system that is perfectly tailored to your home. With the addition of a third 5 gigahertz radio in the new second-generation Eero, it is twice as fast as its predecessor. This lets you do more than ever before. Whatever your Wi-Fi needs, Eero has the power to blanket your home in fast, reliable Wi-Fi. It will sit flat on your surface, you plug it into the wall with a power adapter, and you're ready to connect connect your Eero either with Ethernet or wirelessly. Also, the new Eero includes a thread radio, which lets you connect to low-power devices such as locks, doorbells, other sensors, and more. And the Eero Beacon, that is half the size, but even more powerful than the first-generation Eero. You plug this into a wall, and it expands coverage into any room that you want, and you can add as many Eero Beacons as you like, as long as you have an Eero device. It even includes a built-in LED nightlight with ambient light sensor. So the little beacons, because they're called beacons, they'll light up the house at night. How nice is that? With Eero, you can install an enterprise-grade Wi-Fi system in your home in just a few minutes. The app lets you manage your network from the palm of your hand, and you can easily create and share a guest network too. Eero also has incredible customer support. You can call and get a hold of one of their Wi-Fi experts within 30 seconds. Now, Stephen, I believe that you have one of uh, these new Eero packs. I do, and the beacons are great. I, like a lot of people, I think, like the optimal place to put one was in a hallway, but the other one was flat and needed a surface to sit on, and this thing plugs in just like a nightlight, so it it hugs close to the wall, the outlet holds it in, and now I've got one right where I wanted it the whole time. Super small, and you can turn off the nightlight, or it can, what I really like, it can use ambient light, so it's not on all the time, but if it's dark in the hallway, the little LED comes on. Really thoughtful design and uh, big thumbs up for me. The new Eero system starts at $399 and you'll get one second generation Eero and two beacons, which is everything that you need to get started. Listeners of this show can get free overnight shipping when they go to Eero.com, that's E-E-R-O.com, and use the promo code CONNECTED. That's Eero.com with the promo code CONNECTED for free overnight shipping. Thanks to Eero for their support of this show and Relay FM. All right, Mike. I need to talk to you. No, I don't want to do... I've still I need... seen the heading in the notes, and I just don't I just don't want to do it. Well, no one else who you do shows with is willing to do this, so I'm going to do it. So when was it? The end of the year? Beginning of this year sometime? Mm-hmm. When did you buy this MacBook? We're talking about my MacBook Recently. now. Uh, yes, it your was MacBook. Whenever they introduced the... The new one? The MacBook Pro. It was when the MacBook okay. Pro came out with the touch bar... Um, right. I, I went and bought it then because I could get it before the prices went up because of they were changing the prices because of the falling pound. <laughs> yeah. Hashtag Brexit. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So, so you bought a MacBook, uh, the little 12-inch, one USB-C port yep. MacBook. Yep. And just remind the listeners what you do for a living, just as a refresher, people who may not know. I'm an independent content creator. Mm. Wow, that was quite quite a phrase. So, are you are you a YouTuber, Mike? Yes, mm. actually, I am one of those <laughs> YouTuber. That doesn't make me any money though, but I I do do that sometimes. <laughs> and so, and what are you doing for the month of August? Just in case people don't know, I am roaming America. Wow, that's that sounds like you're doing it in a van. <laughs> <laughs> He's just a, a British man in a van with a MacBook. Mm-hmm. So when we were at WODC together in San Jose, you were on this MacBook trying to edit something. I don't even remember what. Ah, I was there. Yeah, I remember this. Federico was there. (laughs) 
And and so Federico can back me up. You were were quite frustrated at the speed of which your MacBook was, he was. doing the the yep. task at hand. Yeah, I was quite frustrated upset. about that. And I think you've got a couple weeks, like a week before you leave on your month long trip to America. Assuming America's still here in a week, and I think you have the wrong computer. And I think there's time to fix it. And I have even picked you out a new one. <laughs> it's the Dell so, Experian. That's right. Uh, you did want the RGB keyboard, right? Yeah. Please, <laughs> so please. you got the you got the gaming lights. <laughs> I would love that right now. Actually, yeah. <laughs> you also have to. It's like stickers that are always there. Uh, you have to learn Adobe Premiere now. <laughs> Good luck. So I think I, I so. I really like the MacBook. My wife has the very first generation one. I enjoy using hers, even though it's really slow compared to the, the new ones. Are actually much better than the previous ones. Uh, I like the portability. The screen is gorgeous. I like the low travel keyboard. The MacBook is a great computer. I just think it's the wrong computer for you. Uh, I think you're going to end up really frustrated on this trip, trying to edit on this thing and trying to to bounce audio. Uh, God forbid you do any video while you're gone, and I'm sure you're, you're going to want to do some video while you're I gone, right? At this to. trip, yeah, I have to. I have to do and, the video. Yeah, for you got to do it for Cortex. You've got the vlog. I think that you. I, I think that it's time to. I'm not saying sell the MacBook. Maybe there's someone in your family who could use it. Maybe Adina needs a new computer. Maybe a, a brother or a, your loving mother. Maybe someone else needs a laptop. But I think you need the the MacBook Pro, and I think in particular, I think that you should probably do the the two port that what people call what Marco has called the MacBook Pro Escape. So no touch bar, the regular keys. And I say this for very specific reasons. So I have I'm going to put the link in the chat room so everyone is listening can can uh, follow along with me. Both of these machines start at twelve ninety nine now. You probably shouldn't get the twelve ninety nine one. You should probably spec it up a little bit, but you're not spending much more money than you did before. Uh, it is just a little bit bigger. Still has a Retina display. Obviously, has a better screen. The battery life, and this is why I picked the Escape. The battery life is basically the same as the MacBook you have now. Apple says ten hours of wireless web work. They say twelve hours of iTunes movie playback on the MacBook and ten hours on the MacBook Pro. I think that basically comes out in the wash. I think as hard as you're pushing it with Logic and Final Cut and everything, you're going to get the, basically the same battery life. And it only weighs a pound more, which is, I, I know, a big thing when you bought that MacBook right. was weight. Yeah, and so you said, and I'm going to quote that, you. Whoa, I'm gonna, whoa, just that thing real quick, right? A pound mm-hmm. more means twice the, twice the weight, right? Like it's, you, I think that needs to be just mentioned not at how this math point. Works. No, it's not twice the weight. Is it not? <laughs> the, the MacBook weighs... 2.03 pounds. Okay. And the the MacBook Pro weighs 302. So it, it is a third more. Okay. Right? Is that how that works? Mm-hmm. Uh, half more. Not It doesn't double it. And I understand why you did it. And I think the MacBook totally wins. And, and you said this on Upgrade yesterday, which is why I put this in the document for today, that you can put it in your backpack and you can forget that it's there because it's so small, which I totally understand. And that is the trade-off. For a machine that you're not going to pull your eyeballs out waiting for it to export something. Yeah, I mean, so uh, here's the thing, right? That 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 logic still stands, I think, for yes. me. But I do agree that logic stands way better when I'm usually bringing a MacBook on this trip, which is emergencies. 
right like i will bring right. a i will bring a macbook when when i know just i'm going to be recording like just in case your computer's broken or jason's computer isn't going to work right like i bring it for emergencies there is one other thing though which is like i don't want to buy a computer now i don't oh well, yeah i can't i can't yeah well i mean you say you can't help me with that but you have the checkbook for our company, so maybe <laughs> huh, considering you doing. are trying to twist my arm so badly, maybe you can help me with that. Well, we can re- talk about Relay that later. didn't buy that. Relay didn't buy that MacBook. Uh, no, I know I bought it, right? But I'd also that means I don't want to buy an, a MacBook Pro because I bought a MacBook. Yeah, no, I get mm-hmm. it. I get it, and and I don't really expect you to run out and spend. Fourteen hundred dollars. So why are we doing this I'm, right I'm now? I'm going to berate you on the air because no one else had this conversation with you, right? Because everybody <laughs> I, I, knows it's like, well, I just bought two iPads, right? I don't want to buy, buy a iPads. laptop. Like, I don't want to do that. Multi iPad lifestyle, multi MacBook lifestyle. You have your MacBook for when you're not editing, and then you put it back in your backpack, and you pull the MacBook Pro out when you're editing. You've best of both worlds. Now, granted, now you're carrying five point oh five pounds of laptop, but that's that's fine. One of each. One of each, Mike. Problem solved. This was not a helpful conversation. But I got to berate you on the air, so I feel, I feel better now. Do you want to talk about how many mm. laptops you've bought because of the bad decisions that you make? Oh, no. I'm not, I, this is a pot <laughs> calling the kettle black. Yeah. Uh, but I sold the other one. Kyle the Gray, who was in the chat room, is probably listening on my old MacBook Pro. Poor Kyle. Tell it hello for me, Kyle. Uh, so yeah, so anyways, I just, I, I, I'm very curious to hear how the MacBook fares on this trip. Well, it's going to be a disaster, isn't it now? Like we all know It really this. is. Um, cause I mean, I look at the MacBook. So, so my setup, I have a, just like you, I have a 27 inch iMac mm-hmm. late 2015. It's super nice. I'm, it's on my desk. I, I really genuinely love this Mac and I have a 13 inch MacBook Pro that I use for the same reason you use your MacBook, right? We travel and we do shows on the road and we have to edit and and do all this content creation at conferences and I mean even on vacation we're recording podcasts like uh and for me I found the the iMac plus 13 inch MacBook Pro a really nice thing but I look at my wife's MacBook and I always think I really like this computer and I wish I could do my work on it but I I don't feel like that I can so I am very curious because you have the new one uh, the newest one uh, how it fares so Anyways, I just want to talk through it a little bit with you because I think I think it's really interesting that such a attractive laptop in so many reasons, like there there's a big trade off there with the performance, yeah. and I, I find those trade offs interesting. It it makes sense though, right? Like the work I'm doing would be class professional work, and there totally. is a line of computer which has professional in the name, and that's yeah. what they're for. And this isn't for that, right? Like it is built for something else, right? Like it is the iPad of the Mac line. Right, like it is meant to be used for different things. Um, mm-hmm. Thanks. What if Pro? What if Pro doesn't stand for professional? What if if it's the MacBook Promise? <laughs> like that's a pretty good product name, actually. <laughs> the <laughs> MacBook <laughs> Promise. <laughs> I'm just saying we're making up nicknames for computers yes. anyway. This is my take. It's the MacBook Promise. <laughs> it promises that you will have a bad time. <laughs> So anyways, yes. I do I do hope it meets your needs, Mike, but I do fully expect you to edit on my iMac when you're in Memphis for a week. Well, yeah, because to, why would I why would I not do that? Like, what? Gonna, it's like no, no, I'm, I'm gonna, good. I'm good. Why would I not do that? If I could yeah. take an iMac with me, I would take the <laughs> iMac with me, right? Like but. You can. You've seen those those pictures on Reddit of the dude in the Starbucks with, the, with an iMac? I'll send Just you that guy. I'll send you the bill for my uh baggage allowance. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> 
Uh, Federico, what's going on iOS Beta 4? Uh, there's a bunch of fixes that I'm really happy to see that Apple is actually listening to feedback from users and improving on stuff that we didn't like. The primary changes in Notification Center, should I say the cover sheet, um, that is going back to the previous behavior of you, you're you not forced to uh, use 3 detach or long press on a notification anymore to Yay. open it and then dismiss it. If you want to, you can swipe to the left to reveal two options, one for clear and the second for view. Uh, view means expand the notification in line. If you keep swiping all the way to the left, it doesn't show in the UI, but you can actually trigger the clear option. Similarly, if you swipe uh, from the left to the right, you're going to have an open option. And if you keep swiping all the way to the right side, the app of the notification, uh, you know, where it comes from, it's going to open. Uh, also, Apple has changed the behavior of when you tap a notification from the lock screen. So if the device is unlocked and you tap on a, on a notification banner, um, you get this full, cre- full screen message that says you should unlock with Touch ID if you want to open, say, Twitter. Um, so now it's clear. You don't have to look into the status bar uh, and see the padlock changing from locked to unlocked. Now you get this full, cr- full screen UI that says unlock to open. Uh, so this is much better than before because, you know, um, some people really cannot use 3D Touch and it's not just the ergonomics of 3D Touch. Uh, it's more about the fact that it doesn't make sense to to ha- to open a notification if I already know I don't want to open the notification. So if I look at a message and right from the subject, I can tell, well, I want to dismiss this. Why should I be forced to look at it? to open it, to dismiss. Um, and also when you open a notification, when you expand it, there's a, an implicit cost of rendering a view controller and loading you know, assets, loading content from that app. And it doesn't make sense to uh, m- make sure that people have to open, have to view, and then dismiss. So this old behavior, like it, it, I've seen some people on Twitter say, oh, look, it's just nerds that cannot get used to stuff changing. <laughs> like, it's not that. It's literally like a worse solution. And you can still expand with 3D Touch and swipe down if you want to, but it doesn't make sense to force people to do it that way because there's a consequence of um, making 3D Touch and notification expansion the only way. So this is nice. Um, I still would like to see more and we're probably not gonna get what I want um, it would be nice especially now that there's the concept of drag and drop I'm just gonna say it would be nice to tap and hold the notification on the lock screen pick it up tap more notifications and dismiss the ones you want all at once uh, you know Ooh, the same way that nice. you can same way that you can pick up multiple photos in iOS 11 and drop them somewhere I would like to you know uh, it would be I think a, a nice compromise between the grouping by app that Mike wants and these other designs. Mm-hmm. So you pick up the notifications you don't want and you drop them in a trash or somewhere to dismiss them. I would like that. Like, hold on to that. Yeah. Go away from me forever. So I have a question, right? That okay. This is something that I don't understand and I'm, I'm wondering if you have any ideas about this. Why are there two ways for me to open a notification now? I can either tap it or swipe and tap it. Yeah, that doesn't. Yeah. That seems weird to me in a way that I can't fully get my head around. Like, 
Why did they add yeah. a new, uh, like, two ways to open an, uh-huh. a notification? Like, I feel like, look, okay, we do this. This is what we do. There's got to be something to that that I'm not seeing. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I think it just goes back to the idea of providing options to people. <laughs> right, but, like, they in the last beta, it was all... Go- I couldn't do it, right? Like, I couldn't right, do it at all. Right. Now I have two ways to do it. Yeah. Like, I feel like it's... Yeah. It is not just a change in direction. It's like a change in direction, and then they went 17 miles down the road. Like, yeah. it's very weird. Like, it, there's a precedent for that. Like, last year, when they uh, revamped Spotlight Search, they didn't just make one way to open Spotlight. They didn't just make two or three. Uh, when I was working on the review, I counted all the ways that you could open Spotlight, and I'm pretty sure there were, like, 10 different ways that you could open Spotlight on iOS 10. Uh, so the, they, when they think a feature works, they they tend to add at least a couple of ways to w- yeah. work with that feature. No, I get that, but like that's that's when they added a new feature, right? I I know that it's strange, uh, but I guess it like it's a combination of muscle memory. Some people are used to swiping left on uh, right on notifications to open them. Other people just want to launch them. Uh, I understand why you think it's strange. Uh, but I'm happy I have the choice because I, I just yeah. want to be able to do this. So, like, I, they have fixed so many of the problems with Notification Center now. I think it's getting, it's getting better, and I'm almost, almost sold on the idea of the notification screen is now the lock screen, but it's not locked. Although I still think it's kind of odd. And I was showing this to my girlfriend last night. I was like, hey, take my phone and open notifications. And I was on the home screen. So she swiped down and the cover sheet opened. So she, and I was looking at her, it was like an A-B test in real life. And, uh, and she's like, what have I done? Uh, is this is, her first question was, is this a screenshot? Because she couldn't figure out why a swipe to open notification center would go to the lock screen. And then she asked, did I just lock the phone? So, I think this is going to be common, and this is the, uh, the the problem that I see with this design, that it's not changing, of it looks like a replica of the lock screen, but it's not locked. And I wonder if, you know, the Apple's idea of we're, we're just giving people what they want and what they're used to will actually produce the opposite result of people getting confused because now they swipe and they think a phone is locked. And there's folks like me who don't use auto lock. And so when you swipe down, the cover sheet is, I think it's always going to be open. I haven't tested this yet on beta 4. So maybe they, they added a fix for that. But basically, cover sheet respects the setting that you set for auto lock. So if you're like me, you set the auto lock to never, but the cover sheet never locks, <laughs> which is kind of a problem because it looks like a lock Yeah, but screen. that's not a problem though, right? Because you know to lock your phone. Oh, what if I forget? Yeah, but do you though? Because then your phone will be unlocked anyway. Right, like, I am very confident that you never forget to lock your phone. But now there's a visual cue that can trick my brain into thinking it's locked while it's not. That's my problem. Yeah, okay. Why does it have to look like a lock screen? Like, I tell you why, Federico, because they need a place to put the clock because the new iPhone doesn't have a clock. Well, well, then, if you swipe down, you should see the clock right away. Well... See, no, I agree, but there's just no way down. to do that. You see the bottom. <laughs> I will say, right, like I have been using iOS 11 on my iPads and honestly, I've forgotten that this 
is how it is like to me it's just well that's where it all is now like i don't even really pay attention to it it's like that's just where it is maybe it's different like with iphone and ipad like i'm not using ios 11 on a phone but like when i scroll down i'm like well i don't i do you know what i honestly a lot of the time i don't even see the clock there like it's just the notifications right like it's just not a thing in my mind i'm totally used to it it isn't a thing that it concerns me and i think a lot of people probably would just get used to it um and and that they might not necessarily think that something is fundamentally broken but there is of course the option where like if you are a person like you who doesn't ever lock their phone there are maybe more problems with it but like i'll just say like my use my personal usage is like it's it's just Mm. notification center and it has a clock on it now that's how i look at it here's my problem and i think i i figured out why i don't like it and there's no functional benefit to making it look like a lock screen because it works like before. It swipes down Mm -hmm. and it's a notification list. You can swipe to the side and you see the widgets. There's no functional change. It's just a visual one. And that visual change, I think it's confusing. So like you could swap this, the functionality with iOS 10 and it would be the same. It's a notification center, opens on top, you swipe it, you view the widgets. But now it looks like the lock screen, but it doesn't behave like it. And that I still find confusing. I think it's just a user, like it is a perceived user experience thing. They, there is this, these two places that have the same things, right, in iOS 10, but one of them is the lock screen and one of them is not the lock screen. So they're just, well, they just can make it one thing now. And, <laughs> so you know, would, would you call them the same place then? Effectively, the, right? They, but yeah. it's, they look the same. That's what I'm saying, right? Like it is... Exactly. Yeah, but, but I think that's the point though, right? Like the, so in iOS 10, you can swipe down and get your notifications and you can swipe to the other side and you get the, uh-huh. the uh, widgets. But you, if you swipe to the other side, you don't get the camera. Right, so maybe they're just like, oh, we're just going to make it, it all kind of looks like it's the same yeah. thing, so let's make it you're look right. exactly like it's the same thing. The, the, the faster camera access, you're right, is the only benefit I can think of. Like, I don't think that's much of a benefit, down. though, honestly. I think the swiping for the camera thing is mostly crap. But but there's you know. people people are going to tell you, well, actually, yeah, you yeah. have that option. So. Yeah, yeah, I get it. And if you use it that way, like that's great. I mean, like for me, it's crap. Like I never, ever remember... <laughs> to swipe I ne- I know it's been there forever uh, since they changed it from like the swipe up I have never gotten used to that I just Not really I just open my oh, phone and open the camera like I just no you're crazy it's not it's, the best. it's so it's I'm so not good. saying it's bad. I'm saying I don't remember. That's what I'm saying, right? Like I'm not saying this sucks. I'm like I just never remember to do it. Since they changed it, it's just never stuck in my head like the swiping to the side. Mm-hmm. All right. Plus all right. I've always had the camera on my home screen anyway, so my my brain is is locked into just like going to the home screen to get my camera. But my point is I agree with you. I don't want it to be. I prefer. I wish it would go back. But I think the reason that they're doing it is like they're like, oh, we have these two things that mostly look the same. Let's make them completely look the same. So it, I assume there's a hope that it will make a more cohesive experience for people, so they'll actually understand where they are in the OS more. But it does bring about a bunch of uh, new issues, and then I guess by iOS 12, we'll know which ones were the more difficult ones. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> Hmm. Well, I'm still not sure, so uh, Look, I think know, we're gonna. I don't want it either, right? Like, I'm not sure about it. I said like I don't notice it because I kind of don't care. Like, it's like whatever. But maybe when it's on my iPhone, like then I'm gonna be upset. But like on my iPad, it's like pff, whatever, man. 
But mm-hmm. you know, I just think it's like this. Uh, this one ain't changing. I don't think. I think we've got all the changes we're going to get to notification center now. I feel like it, yeah. I think we're going to get some more little changes, but the, the the decision has been made to go back to this design in terms of gestures and swipes. Uh, I think we're going to see more. Not as get, not exactly sure of the nature of what else we're going to get in beta 5. Uh, or maybe some other minor changes we'll, we'll still get. But at this point, I would say it's pretty much locked down. Anything else? Uh, from beta 4? Mm-hmm. Or notifications? From, from beta 4. Uh, so there's a new icons for... Um, Kinda reminders, which I'll get to in a minute. Uh, notes and contacts. Um, uh, the notes one has some stitching, it seems, on top, and the, the contacts one has changed, like the the glyph on the it's icon. It's not stitching. Uh, it's high. Pa- I'm a paper guy. Uh, it's perforation. Sorry. Okay, per- perforation. It's yeah. not stitching. It's, uh, yeah, that's right, when right. I look at it. It's like that is like the thing where you where you pull a pad out, right? Like a piece of paper yes, out of a yes. pad. It goes, it's, yeah. it's perforation. Yeah. All right. Um, and they, these new icons kind of join the App Store and iTunes as the new uh, icons on the home screen iOS 11. And I saw a tweet this morning from friend of the show and friend of everyone, really, Stephen Trouton-Smith. On Twitter, he looked into the code of iOS 11 Beta 4, and it seems Wait, like... he looks into this... the code? No, I don't buy it. Does he? Steve Trouton-Smith sure. looks into the code? No. It's a little out of character, I'll admit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's more. It's more like uh, more like a mystic uh, session. He mm. sits down and you know thinks uh, about the code, and then the code yeah. comes to him, and the the code just kind of appears uh, in a floating head of Scott Forstall in the mm-hmm. air, which is kind of mm-hmm. weird. But anyway, um, it appears that the new icons are meant. Uh, you know, especially the reminders and the contacts one were the result of some right-to-left code gone wrong. So iOS 10 introduced support for right-to-left languages, and with right-to-left, when the setting is enabled, uh, even the icons are flipped. Like the entire UI is flipped horizontally. So like you get the signal and the Wi-Fi on the right of the status bar uh, instead of being on the left. And also some icons on the home screen change. And I think also on iOS 10 already, the reminders icon and the, con- the old contacts icon, they change, they're flipped. Uh, so I'm not sure if it, the behavior is the same on iOS 10, but I assume it's going to be on iOS 11. So the reminders icon, which is flipped right now in beta 4, I think it's going to be reverted back to the original one with the colored dots on the left by beta 5, because it's clearly a mistake. It doesn't make sense to put the dots on the, on the right when they're still on the left in the app. Um, more importantly, I guess for me, the workflow extension has been fixed. It didn't work in Safari before. It worked in other apps, but it couldn't be triggered in Safari. So now that's been fixed, you can pull to refresh for updates on the App Store, which again, for me, it's handy because I disable auto updates, and but I still want to be able to quickly check for updates to the apps that I have installed. Now I have a manual way to do so that doesn't require me to tap 10 times or 15 times on the update tab of the App Store which is nice. Uh, that's about it, Mike. Uh, these are the major, uh, quote-unquote, major changes in Beta 4. 
Today's episode is also brought to you by Mac Weldon. They make the most comfortable underwear, socks, shirts, undershirts, hoodies, and sweatpants you're ever going to wear. Mac Weldon is better than whatever you're wearing right now. They are so confident of this, they have a no-questions-asked return policy. If you don't like your first pair of Mac Weldon clothes or whatever it is that you buy, you can just keep them and they'll refund you, no questions asked. Mac Weldon have a line of silver underwear and shirts that are naturally antimicrobial, which is some cool science stuff. This means that they eliminate odor, which can be super useful. By pairing premium fabrics, meticulous attention to detail, coupled with a simple shopping experience, Mack Weldon delivers a new level of daily comfort straight to your door. They make undershirts that stay tucked, socks that stay up, and waistbands that don't roll. We mentioned my travel. You know what I'm going to be wearing on my travel, ladies and gentlemen. I'm going to be wearing my amazing Mack Weldon sweatpants. They had the Ace sweatpants. I love them dearly. I feel so comfortable in them. I... Sleep on planes in those things. Like, they are absolutely fantastic. Not only do Mack Weldon's underwear, socks, and shirts look good, they perform well, too. They're good for working out, going to work, traveling, or for everyday life. Listeners of this show can get 20% off at MacWeldon.com. That's M-A-C-K-W-E-L-D-O-N.com by using the code CONNECTED. That is 20% off at MacWeldon.com with the code CONNECTED. Thank you so much to Mac Weldon for their support of this show and Relay FM. There's something that I wanted to quickly touch upon, which is the idea that I've seen from some people on Twitter and forums of... Uh, Apple not listening to feedback from folks on the internet and like people who provide feedback to Apple during the beta. Some people think that these messages, this feedback, they affect no change at Apple and that's totally not how it works. Uh, the radar system is in place for one reason, which is to submit feedback and for engineers to gather that feedback and to bring it uh, you know, to their managers uh, to discuss and to show proof that people are complaining, that people are suggesting different implementations and to provide feedback from different contexts, like outside of the labs in Cupertino, uh, from folks who are actually using the beta. And if, if a feature is not working out, let us understand why it's not working out. And there's also the other approach that happens behind the scenes of Apple reaching out to folks privately to ask for feedback. And that is the right approach, you know, to gather responses from Radar, uh, to, uh, you know, to mark stuff as duplicate and to show that information to a manager, um, to reach out to people and be like, help us understand what is it that you don't like. Because especially in this beta stage, it is ex extremely important that we listen. And Apple has been doing this time and time again, and I know firsthand this happens uh, because Apple doesn't create software in a vacuum. Like they are people that <laughs> listen to other people. And even if it doesn't look like, uh, you know, we've seen this in the past with the pencil and navigation. Now with the cover sheet and notifications, when something isn't working and if something in, a, especially in an iOS beta, you think it's not working well for a bunch of reasons, you should complain about it on the internet because it works. And the idea that Apple creates software on a, you know, on a throne of computers running Xcode without listening to others, that's just crazy town. It doesn't work that way. And 
I thought that was funny because I saw some folks on Twitter yesterday shared this idea again. Yes, Apple has its its own ideas. They have their own motivations. Sometimes we don't understand them, but the majority of the time, in different ways, uh, they they seek out feedback and they implement that feedback. So, just wanted to mention that. Yeah, I think that it's worth remembering that there's a reason that they do the betas. I mean, I reckon this is part of why the public beta's gone in, right? So that they can monitor social media, right? right? And, you know, I've been doing this myself. Like, I've been running Twitter searches just for, like, notification and have been just seeing, like, these floods of people complaining that their notifications don't work anymore. And, like, to assume that Apple aren't paying attention to that it's mind-boggling to me. Like <laughs> the idea that they are a company that knows what we want before we do makes sense, but not when it comes to stuff like this. I don't think. Like when it's new products and and things like that, I can get it a bit more. But when it's like these small changes to their operating system, like I I I believe that they do pay attention, and so I think it is worth talking about it it's worth us sharing our stories in the ways that we do it's worth people filing radars and it's worth people sending feedback through the feedback app right like these are worthwhile things to do because it helps inform the future of the operating systems that we enjoy to use yep i think some of that comes from like there are things apple's not going to change right if 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 someone complains that the the new multitasking is too confusing like apple's not going to go back on that but (laughs) I think that they most definitely listen to thoughtful feedback. And if it's done in mass, like a bunch of people are talking about it, then they're at least going to look at it. You may not always get what you want, but you sometimes get what you need, right? That's right. That's that's a very wise saying, Mike. Mm-hmm. You, should, you, should, you should maybe write a song about that. It'd be nice. But they're definitely going to listen if you're reasonable and if you, you know, have other people who are feeling the same way. And yes, there are things that are not going to change and there, there are things that there may, or there may be things that you know, it, it's part of a, it's part of a longer narrative and maybe they're not where they want to be yet. And so maybe in the, the middle ground we're right now, it's sort of strange and you can't see the rest of it until we're further down the road. There are definitely those things in iOS 11, I think. But overall, if you have feedback, I think you should share it and you should share it in the feedback app. You should follow radar uh, if you if you know someone who could be helpful at Apple, contact them. But the the idea that Apple doesn't listen because they're not because in one time they didn't change the one thing I asked for, I think is a little short sighted. So, um, so yeah, I, I'm glad we touched on this because I think it's been bugging the three of us for a little while seeing yes. some of this this talk. No, we're all wrong. Yeah, most definitely. <laughs> <laughs> I. I've got to say, I mean, this this might be another one of those things where, like, there are some times that the three of us we are in complete agreement on something that I th- that sometimes can be confusing to people. That, like, you know, mm. it seems like perceived wisdom is that Apple has done a dumb thing, but we're all just like, this is amazing. And mm. the thing that I want to talk about today is the Rock and Siri dominate the day. Yes. Uh, an ad that Apple put together with I don't really know how to describe how I feel about The Rock but it is a great love respect, admiration 
maybe I I, maybe I'm a little this. attracted to him. Like I'm not sure what it is, w- well, <laughs> but I no, love I can, the rock. I can kind of relate to that. Yeah. Okay. Thank you, Federica. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I love him. Right. Look, I am a wrestling fan. Right. So I, <laughs> the Rock has been a part of my life like, for yeah. most of my life. Right. I've known of the Rock longer than I have known you two. You know, we're not friends. Uh, not us, me and the Rock. Wow. Of course, we're not damn, friends damn, anymore. Man. I'm moving in with the Rock. Uh, <laughs> These are, this is, these this are ad so, is so good. It is so, so good. Dormant feelings that are surfacing. Right I'll tell you right yeah. now, they ain't dormant, right? Like my love for The Rock <laughs> has been a long time love. There was a period of time where I didn't like The Rock. Uh, but like this is a wrestling thing now, which you don't need to know about. But mm. no, he's fantastic. About it. Well, okay. So there was a time period in which uh, The Rock had gone away and had gone to Hollywood, right? Um, and he mm. made a bunch of movies. Then he came back to the WWE and won the WWE Championship purely as a promotional thing, right? So he could just promote the movies that he was working in and then they gave it to him. And I didn't think like he deserved it at the time because there were people that were in uh, the WWE that I think needed it more. And he got to headline two mm. WrestleManias like year after year. And I just thought, well, this doesn't make any sense because why is The Rock here? But then by the end of that period of time, he won me back over again. So that's the reason. Mm. You wanted it, you got it. No, no, I'm glad because I've... Now I know. I appreciate mm-hmm. that. Uh, I agree with you. It's it's a pretty awesome ad. And I was definitely one to make fun of it. I had a tweet that I'm very proud of. I'm making a Siri joke about The Rock. But it's, it's it, A, it's super well produced, uh, even though I have space complaints we're going to get to. But it is, it's fun. And it's like on brand for him and for Siri. Like it kind of works for yeah. what, how he what he does right like it's totally like in his wheelhouse for like how he presents himself in the media he does yeah i i feel like maybe apple like hired his company to produce this because he, he had a tweet that said that i think and uh, that wouldn't that, you know surprise thanks to me. apple and yeah. his company it's seven bucks i think is the name of his company like because you know that's the company that produces all the stuff that he does because it is so on brand for the rock Right, like, I don't know if somebody other than him and the people that write for him could put this together in the way that they did. Like, it was yeah. perfect for him, right? Even down to the 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 idea that like somebody dared to challenge that he was too busy, <laughs> so mm-hmm. he was like, "Screw this! I'm gonna go out." And the idea, the, the the conceit of the the ad is, I'm gonna go and achieve all of my life goals before I have to go to set today. <laughs> yeah, yeah, today, like this morning. <laughs> And there are like just a bunch of little things in it, like um, the wallpaper on his phone is that 90s fanny pack photo of him, which mm-hmm. I'm sure mm-hmm. people are aware of, but I'm going to put in the show notes. And it, that's going to literally be the image in the show notes today, um, mm-hmm. just so everyone can appreciate how The Rock has changed. Uh, he did a, did you see the thing that he did of SNL where he recreated it? Yeah. That was, that was pretty great. That was pretty great. No, um, I didn't see that. I'll I'll put a link to that in the show notes. As All well, right, thank you. Because he he recreated the picture and it's it's kind of wonderful. Um, yeah, I just thought this was hilarious and actually I think did a good job of showing off Siri. Like, yeah, in a way, I honestly I was expecting Siri to come out of this looking a bit stupid. Right. Like I thought it was going to, you know, it was going to like Siri was going to be like talking to, you know, like talking to him. Yes. Or, you know, like like, a fake Siri. Yeah. Yeah. Like it wasn't going to work properly. It was more of 
it was more about the rock than siri really as it was, I, yeah. I think it was clever because it's showing how siri can help you like as a busy person mm-hmm. in your everyday life instead of making it more about siri the character it's really about siri the software and the rock as a very busy individual with a bunch of projects so i think that was a very clever uh idea to yep. base the the commercial on yeah i think so too and i mean for me it was like one of the one of the better ads that apple put together in a long time because it did a good job of showing off the product which they don't always do sometimes the ads are a little bit more conceptual um mm-hmm. but then it also had a character to it and used a celebrity in a really good way right as opposed mm-hmm. to like just having the celebrity there like they used the rock the way the rock should be used um yeah i i thought it was i thought it was fantastic like i, mm-hmm. I thought it was hilarious i've watched it yeah. twice uh, and <laughs> i thought it was great it it felt in line with the remember the cookie monster one yeah uh, yeah down the yeah, yeah as well where cookie monster is being cookie monster but series they're like assisting and i think it's more so than some of the older ones they've done with celebrities but yeah i agree with you it's fun it is. I mean, even though I know it's a three-minute ad, it it feels like a little movie, and that's how he like. So Sunday night, he tweeted that you know, hey, I did a movie with Apple, and like the three of us were like, well, why isn't uh, why is it on YouTube? Why is it on Apple Music? But then it became clear throughout the course of the evening that it was going to be an ad, mm-hmm. and but it, it's it feels big, right? There's lots of scenes, he's lots of different places, and uh, so yeah, I, I I think it's good. Um, there is a couple of things I think worth pointing out. In the description of the video, they link to Siri.com, which if you go to it, uh, it actually redirects to a page oh. on Apple's website that has a lot of the commands that he is giving Siri in the video. It kind of walks you through what Siri can do. But uh, MKBHD put out a video last night where he walks through all the commands that The Rock gives Siri, and it performs pretty well i have to say and i generally like mkbhd but his lack of day-to-day use of the iphone shows up in this video where he clearly like doesn't have any content on the phone he's working on so a bunch of the stuff doesn't work yeah uh i saw someone on twitter uh, several people on twitter uh, including um kyle's the gray talking to him about well like in the he the scene where he's asked the phone to show him all of his fashion accessories, you can do that on the phone if you have an album in iCloud Photo Library, you know, and, and you call that name up. Uh, okay. Uh, MKBHD missed that and and sort of actually dinged Siri for that, even though like that's nitpicky. But if you're doing a movie picking apart an ad, like you're already being nitpicky, so I feel like it's fair to to do that mm-hmm. to him. But um, all in all, like. The stuff that is in the the ad, Siri can do all of that stuff. Now it's all shortened and like you know sped up because Siri takes longer than it does in, in the video, but it can do all those things. And so, from a reality perspective of, of what Siri actually is and what it offers, they got it all right, which you would hope, right? It, hopefully, Apple's not advertising something that it can't do, but they did a really good job, I think, with that. Yeah, I the one thing I'll say is like it's not. You know, remember the ad that they, or the video that they did for WWDC, right? Like, absolutely deleting from the phone in a way that that, that doesn't terrible. happen, right? So it's yeah. like, I was kind of, honestly, I was kind of like expecting that there might be something like that. Um, but yeah, luckily they, they didn't, they didn't do that, which was good. Like, I was concerned it was like, 
I don't know, Siri was going to be able to transform the phone into a robot, right? Like that helped him save. The, yeah. You know what I mean? It was just like, I was like, oh it, God, where are they going to go with this? And it, help, it helps root the ad, right? He, like The Rock is doing all these things that clearly a, a person can't do, but Siri like roots it in reality. I think that's mm-hmm. one reason the ad is so good. You know, The Rock would make for an excellent guest at WWDC uh, at the keynote. Especially because he is so lovingly intimidating. So, like, I don't think developers would complain about The Rock because he's The Rock. Um, so, yeah, you know, would be much be- much better than Drake. Get The Rock on stage. Talk <laughs> anybody, about APIs. Talk about frameworks. It's like, The Rock, you're not messing with The Rock. So let, let The Rock talk about the frameworks. Mm-hmm. That would be amazing. Also, do you think The Rock uh, will adopt me if I made an official request? Probably, I would be upset, but like I would be fine. I would be fine also as an older brother. Uh, that that would work. Like if he was your like, older brother. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. just super quick, right? Just while we're talking about the Rock, you've all seen the the Rock twenty twenty thing, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Like the, <laughs> <laughs> there is a there. <laughs> He's gonna make a great president. <laughs> There's a company that's been set up um, to explore the possibility of Dwayne Johnson becoming uh, the next president of the United States. Mm-hmm. I'm not I, for serious. Like he could, he could do it, right? Like if a celebrity's I mean, gonna do the, it, at this point, anyone can do it. Literally, anyone would be better. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Although he does steal a plane in this ad. We have to talk about that. He hijacks a plane to go visit Federico. Maybe he's coming to adopt you, Federico. Maybe that's why he's flying to Rome. Oh, yeah, he does go would, to Rome, that would man. Be amazing. Yeah. That would be, that would be amazing, honestly. I, I, I did have a, I did, I did chuckle, uh, a plane fuel to go to Ohio. It's not going to make it to Rome. But can I talk about the space thing? Because. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Jason yes. correctly predicted an upgrade yesterday that I would talk about this. And I'd already had, uh, these, these notes in my head. Uh, the phone would be broken, just just broken as fill in the blank. And like, in the what cold do you mean? Vacuum of space. Like, would it explode? Like, it, like, what happens? It would die. It's so. It's like it's it's the the you know a phone dies if you leave it in your car overnight when it's too cold outside and it can't work. Like, space is way colder. Mm. Uh, two, and I'm skimming the video because I saw a screenshot. I wasn't sure if it was true, but he uh, the scene is really funny. So he's like tethered to the space station. Or something, and or to a, a spaceship, and he's taking a selfie. He's wearing AirPods, which I missed the first time I watched it. Oh, I didn't but notice he, that. So I guess that's how. So my initial complaint was, sound doesn't carry in space. And are you so are you he, sure? Are you sure it's cold? Because the sun is in. Sp- yeah, and the sun's super hot. You've never been in space, so I think you're wrong. Yeah, you can know because the sun is up there. Uh-huh. I mean, it's it's hot here. Imagine yep. near the sun must be super hot. Yeah, I bet it's so way hotter fun. than it is here. <laughs> that makes so much sense, Federico. You should replace Stephen on the space show. <laughs> I should have a space show. Yeah, uh, I'm filing my official motion at the relay board okay. to fire Stephen from the space show and replace <laughs> Stephen with me. Do you even know the name of my spaceship, Federico? <laughs> nope. Don't even know the name. Uh, he's wearing AirPods, which I, I, I also found really funny because sound doesn't travel in space, but he's using Bluetooth, so it totally works. Uh, and the line as the scene cuts away is, I hope I don't create an eclipse, which I find really funny. Like, it's, it's, mm-hmm. 
I mean, I'm only talking about because I have a space podcast, but it, it's just a really funny scene to me, even though the film would totally die. The space podcast is called Liftoff, and it's great. It's with Jason Snow. And you. We do own uh, liftoff.space. Oh, nice. No, something. Liftoffpodcast.space? I don't know. And you also, have an, and you also have an amazing artwork and logo for we the do. show. Yeah. Liftoffpodcast.space is the podcast Tumblr, because we blog on Tumblr. Uh, so, yeah. So, anyways, I think we're all in agreement. This is a lot of fun. It's uh, really awesome and like thumbs up from the connected crew, right? We're in agreement. Yes. Oh, without doubt. There we go. I did not expect it to go this way, guys. I really thought I thought the two of you would like it and I would hate it, but I'm totally on board with it. It's a lot of fun. That that's strange to hear from you, but I'm I'm glad you you enjoyed something that we also like. It, it is. Uh, it does seem impossible some days. <laughs> All right, today's show is also brought to you by our friends over at FreshBooks. To all you freelancers out there, imagine if you could claim up to 192 hours of your time a year. Would you do that? Well, if you would like to and you're not using FreshBooks, the easy way to save this time is just to sign up for FreshBooks. FreshBooks can give you this time back because it's so easy to use. They simplify tasks like invoicing, tracking expenses, getting paid. FreshBooks has drastically reduced the time it takes for their over 10 million customers to deal with their paperwork. I sent invoice 1,100 today with FreshBooks. I love FreshBooks. Who sent sent invoice 1,000? I love FreshBooks. They're great. Um, <laughs> I, I, we use it all the time. We've used it since before they were a sponsor. We used it before our company even existed. Like FreshBooks is the way for you to get your billing, your invoicing, your expense tracking done. I cannot recommend it enough. When you email a client an invoice for FreshBooks, it will show you whether they've seen it so you don't have to play guessing games. One of my favorite things is I can go into one of our uh, companies that we work with and I can see how long it usually takes them to pay me so I don't need to bug them early. Like It's it's really, really great. FreshBooks, whilst they've managed to amass so many millions of users, they have kept themselves to be a pretty small company with their culture and that's why Forbes recently gave them uh, the title of small giant on their best small companies of the year. If you're not using FreshBooks yet and you're listening to this now is the time to try it because if you go to freshbooks.com slash connected you can sign up for a 30-day free trial with no credit card needed and then when you decide to sign up just please type in connected in the how did you hear about us uh, section of their sign up process so they'll know that you came to them from us so once again that's freshbooks.com slash connected for a 30-day free trial i'd like to thank FreshBooks for making my life easier and also for supporting this show and relay fm so in the spirit yeah. Of Siri, um, Federico, mm-hmm. can you please uh, teach teaches us about Siri improvements coming in iOS 11? All right, there are many, uh, especially compared to last year, but there's still some stuff we can discuss. First one is uh, Siri can now do translation between certain languages. There's a specific command that you can ask Siri, uh, like translate a sentence to uh, another language and Siri is going to reply with the uh, the native voice and the transcription in the UI. So that appears to be working well for me. I tested, of course, with Italian and English and the translation is surprisingly natural in Italian and it sounds okay in English to me as well. So that's going to be handy, I think. I don't have a list of languages. It's probably on the Apple website. Um, 
but this is a nice addition to Siri. Uh, the other one, which I'm really happy about, is the new voice. Again, Apple shipped a higher quality voice for Siri. And at this point, it's starting to generally sound human, like the tone of the sentence, the cadence of the the way that Siri speaks, the pauses between like different sentences in the same command, it's uh, or the same answer, I should say. It's really natural, but uh, now, especially compared to the even to last year, when Apple also released a higher quality version of Siri, and in iOS 11 is even better. So I don't know what it is they're doing, but in terms of like the feeling of like a natural voice, it's they're doing a pretty great job, and I'm really happy about this. In terms of developer changes, uh, what we have is a bunch of improvements to the domains uh, that work with SiriKit, although not as many as we hoped. So unsurprisingly, uh, Apple is adding support for uh, notes and list-making intents. So now you can save notes in third-party apps and add items to lists. These are going to be used by note-taking apps and by task managers to allow you to create notes, create tasks, um, search for them, mark them as complete, If in the case of a list, in the case of an item in a list, and there's also a little more control that we can do here. For example, as I mentioned, you can search, but also you can uh, append text to an existing note, for example. So you can save text into a note that you already have into a third-party app, and you can save it to the bottom of the note. So you don't have to create multiple notes from scratch every single time, which is really, really handy. And based from what we've seen so far, so Ken Case from the Omni Group, for example, shared on Twitter that they're going to add support for Siri to OmniFocus. So now OmniFocus, and I assume other task managers like to do is, for example, or to do, they will be able to get the same functionality that you get with reminders, for example. You can set with the list intent, you can set an item to have a due date. To, I, I'm pretty sure you can also use a geofence alert, uh, you know, to fire a reminder when you enter or exit a location. Um, and this is going to be great because, you know, we all use now taking apps, we all use task managers, and now to have the same parity between Apple reminders and Apple notes and third-party apps, it's going to be real, real convenient. I have tried a beta uh, in iOS 11 with just one with this SiriKit integration, and one of the problems that I had uh, was not necessarily about the command itself, but in getting the name of the app recognized. So Siri, I don't know if it was my accent, I was actually trying to spell it as well as I could, but Siri Siri didn't want to understand the name of the app that I was asking for, and I looked into the, the documentation, and developers can add some phonetic alternatives to their app names, I'm not sure they can add completely different names. Like, I don't think OmniFocus, the developer can say, instead of calling it OmniFocus, call it the purple task manager. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure you can do that. I think you can only do phonetic variations for people with different accents. Uh, we'll have to see how well it works in practice. Uh, in terms of, so I'm really happy about this. Well, notes and lists, task managers, use them all the time, so this is going to be nice. Um, there are other minor changes. So if you have an app that has a QR code, let's say Facebook Messenger or Twitter, you know, the, these modern apps that allow you to share your profile, 
with a visual code, now you can ask uh, Siri to bring up the code for you. So if you're on Snapchat or Messenger and you want to share your code with other people, you can ask Siri to bring it up and you'll be able to share from Siri. Uh, so it doesn't allow you to scan the code with Siri. You gotta use the f the camera app on iOS 11, which also supports QR codes of multiple types. So you can uh, you can scan contacts, you can scan links, even URL schemes from the iOS 11 camera. With Siri, you can just bring up the visual code. Also, there are improvements to the payment domain, which I used once to send my son money using PayPal. Worked really well. And now you will be able, I think, to look up your account information. Mm. Um, so you should be able to view your history, I guess, and details for your payment account, and even change between different um, wallets in the same accounts. So like my checking or my savings account from the same app. So that's going to be convenient if you use this stuff. Um, basically, that's about it. Um, I should also mention that developers now have better control over the interface that they, the custom interfaces that they display in Siri. So the Siri Kit UI is more customizable than before, and developers are free to implement their own, like an entire view controller in there. They can put more, they have more control over customizable interfaces, and so every domain is gonna look more custom and more belonging to an app that in iOS 10. But this is basically all the changes that we have in Siri. Can I ask a couple of questions? All right. Um, let's say, for example, Todoist uh, was to work with this new adding mm -hmm. a task stuff. Do you think it's possible that I could like give it the whole text in natural language and that it would be able to pass it? Yeah. It's like if I said, I so. like, remind me, uh, like, ask to... How, how do you trigger it? How would I trigger it with Todoist? Uh, so, uh, like last year you would be able to say, uh, to, as Apple calls it, like, to verb the app name. So, like, Todoist buy milk. And in theory, you should be able to save a task called buy milk by okay. using the app name as a verb. Or you could just say, add a task in my Todoist or okay. uh, remind me about X and Y in Todoist. You know, all the different ways. And the great thing about SiriKit is that Siri takes care of this on, it, on its own. Like, the developer doesn't have to optimize for this natural language processing that's done by Apple uh, and mm. I, I assume that for due dates and for dates and times and locations that's also done by Siri so the developer especially to do is which they already use natural language they don't have to do it twice because right. Siri is gonna take care of the dates for them okay and so like there's still not a lot of areas that are being added right like what is it like a small handful of new areas like new intents that are being added mm -hmm. here i think you know we were talking about this over wwdc time less than we expected i think we're one of the things that i thought was a was a dead set was more of these than what we ended up getting especially mm -hmm. those around audio yep. i mean you've watched all the sessions you've looked at documentation you've done a bunch of research is there anything in there which suggests to you that this could or would increase exponentially? Like, are there any new underpinnings? Is there anything going on under the hood that would rec that would suggest it? Or would you still mm. assume that they're just going to keep adding these in piecemeal every year? Uh, I think it's a combination of, of the two. Or I should say I'm more leaning towards the second option. Uh, they're going to they're gonna trickle down uh, slowly to more types of apps. The reason why I said it's a combination of the two, it because of 
audio. Uh, I think Apple wanted to have AirPlay 2 in place before they did an audio domain for SiriKit, uh, because I can imagine how they might want to expose to developers commands like uh, play my you know, unplayed episode from Overcast in the living room. So I think if when they're going to open up audio or a podcast domain, whatever, um, to others, I think they want to have AirPlay 2 in place before. So it makes sense to roll out AirPlay 2 this year and maybe, uh, you know, next year have an audio intent in Siri. Uh, but in general, besides audio, in general, I think... Uh, they're they're being extremely considerate and extremely slow with the rollout of domains and intents because I like so many things could go wrong, uh, you know. Uh, and I would like Apple to have like a faster approach. Like when you look at stuff like Amazon, what what they're doing with the with the Echo, uh, like you have so many skills to choose from. But there's the problems, that, like the differences that we always mention, like Siri works in more languages and it accounts for uh, more natural language queries. So there are some differences there. Are Siri's intent, like a Siri's skills or whatever you would call them, are they more complex than the Amazon Echo? Yeah, they, there are more inter- interpretations for uh, the same commands that right. you could ask in many, many more languages. So... Uh, the same command can be asked in a, maybe more than a dozen ways. Like all the different ways that in a language you can ask for the same question. In theory, Siri can do the same, and you can multiply that for the languages that Siri supports. So it doesn't, it's not like, like following a precise set of instructions. It's more about like you have this language sandbox and you're opening up to a specific intent, so a feature, and you got to account for all the variables, all the things that could wor- go wrong there. So, like, what if what happens if I, instead of creating a note, I actually delete one? And so, uh, you know, it's uh, there's the, di- the the primary difference between Siri and the Echo is that Siri also has an interface and it works on more languages. And Apple has a different approach. So, when you combine these three aspects, you get these widely different experiences. Uh, I like both of them. Uh, I like to be able to install all these kinds of crazy skills on my Echo. But also, having used uh, some SiriKit in the past, I've been impressed. Uh, the UI is really well done. And when it works, you know, uh, it's very clear, it's very transparent. Uh, and I'm excited about the note-taking and the, and the task manager stuff. Because that's going to be used a lot. Because I, I don't use uh, reminders. I use Apple Notes. Mm-hmm. And that's been great to save stuff quickly when I'm driving. Especially now that iOS 11 has better Bluetooth in the car, so there's no more delay when you bring up Siri in the car. Uh, you can start talking almost immediately. I've been saving a lot of notes with SiriKit and Apple Notes, so that works well. Uh, but I think it's not about like Apple laying the groundwork for a major revamp. I mean, there might as well be, and I just don't know. We, we, we cannot notice. But I think I'm more inclined to say they actually have a, just a slow approach because one, they like to be slow and considerate, and two, uh, Siri has more uh, of a complex uh, structure than skills on the Echo. Thank you, Federico. Sure. 
If you want to find our show notes for this week, head on over to relay.fm slash connected slash 152. I want to thank Eero, Mac Weldon, and FreshBooks for, for supporting this week's episode. If you want to find more of Federico's work online, you can go to macstories.net and you can follow him on Twitter. He is at Viticci, V-I-T-I-C-C-I. Stephen is at 512pixels.net and he is at I-S-M-H on Twitter and I am at I-M-I-K-E. I-M-I-K-E. We'll be back next time. Until then, say goodbye, guys. Arrivederci. Adios.